This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. Again and again and again, you do it for us. You have preserved our lives. You have met our needs. You continue to shield us and to defend us, even from the evil one. Daddy, we are grateful. Lord, this morning we have come at the feet of Jesus to learn. Holy Spirit, you are the revealer. You are the teacher. Please reveal Christ to us today. Open our eyes of understanding that we may understand the scriptures. The Bible says concerning the disciples that Jesus had to open their understanding that they may know scriptures. That is our desire today. So that by the time we leave, we can say, indeed, we have been with Jesus. Thank you, blessed Redeemer. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this morning, very quickly, I, I don't have a lot of time. I, I'm going to do a quick recap to catch you up from where we left off the last time. So we're still continuing our journey in the epistle according to John. And uh, we are in 1 John chapter 2 now. Last week we read 1 John chapter 2 from verse 1 to 14. And uh, three points that I want you to remember from what we are talked about. Remember, verse 1 opens up with that I write these things to you so that you do not sin. And one of the things I told you you see in the epistle is there's this back and forth, you know, uh, sin, righteousness, light, darkness, truth, lies. And those are the things he's telling them back and forth, back and forth. We saw that he told them in chapter 1 uh, that uh, if they sin and they confess their sin, that God is faithful to forgive them all of their unrighteousness and to cleanse them from every iniquity. And then in chapter 2, he's saying, I have written this thing so that you do not sin. And we said there has to be a balance. What he's saying is God understands that we are flesh and it is possible that we fall short. And he says when we do fall short, it's important that we remember that we have an advocate before the Father. Amen. So we don't go all crazy because I have done something wrong. I, I ought to repent of it, but I must know that there is an advocate before the Father. The advocate is not an excuse for sin. The advocate is not a justification for me to now begin to live a lifestyle of sin. And we read uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. And 1 John 3, 9 tells us that those that have given themselves to God, those that belong to God, they do not practice sin. The second thing I want you to remember is the fact that how you live your life is important. I know we are born again. I know we are saved by grace. I know all of those things. But how you and I live is important. And that is what he, we, we dwelt on last week quite a bit. 
He says the only way we know that you love God is if you obey God. The only way that we know that you know God is not that you can preach. In fact, you might be a fiery preacher if your life is not lived in accordance with the commandments of God, then you don't know God. Because if you know him, you will obey him. That's what we saw last week. And see, uh, the third thing I want you to remember here is his commandments, his, his primary cornerstone commandment is to love and not hate. If somebody does something terrible to you, the easiest thing to do is to hate them. Yeah? It's easy to hate than to love. Love sometimes requires work. You have to go beyond yourself. And I remember in conclusion last week, I said make sure you do something special for somebody. Immediately after the service, once I got in the office, the church administrator told me, he said, Pastor, people heed what you said. He said, because people were just bombarding her with text messages. How are you doing, man? How is daddy doing, man? You know, people were reaching out. I hope you did. If you didn't, you can do it this week. <laughs> How about that? Why? Because the commandment we have from the Lord is to love. Is to love. And love is a verb. Love is an action word. You don't love and do nothing. That's why when you see people that are in love, you invite the person to dinner, you, you invite them to lunch, you buy them gifts, you send them cards, you do all kinds of stuff. Show the love that is in your heart. So very quickly today, our sermon title, if you do title, for today is Do Not Love the World. So God already told us that we have to love. Yeah? He said we must love. And he says if you say you don't love your brother, he said you are living in darkness. He said darkness has blinded you if you don't love your brothers. If you don't love your sister. Again, it's important that we understand that love is an action word. If I love, I must be doing something actively to show that I love. Amen? So this past week, I took it upon myself to, I, I did a lot of calls. If I didn't call you, please forgive me. It's difficult to call everybody. But this week, I'm going to continue as well. You know, some people are there, <laughs> Sister Betty. <laughs> I see you almost every other day. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. I didn't call you either, but I saw your message. Who is this? <laughs> Praise the Lord. That, that's a side joke. Let's come back to what we're doing here now. He says, do not love the world. Show your love is what I'm saying. Ex give expression to the love of God that is in you. That's very important. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, he said, the way the world would know that you are my disciples is if you love one another. If you demonstrate the kind of love that I've shown you, if you show it one to another, then the world will know there's something about these folks. What is it? And then they want to find out, they find out it's just Jesus. It's Jesus. Amen? So let's read our text for today. And... Uh, 
It's a long read. It's a long read. I'll just take it in bits and pieces. How about that? So that we can have time to focus on uh, uh, the text itself. So the introduction, I just said something very simple. The love of God for us, human beings, is the deepest expression of his nature and character. The love of God speaks to his nature and to who he is. We're going to talk about that later on, further down the road, when we get to chapter 4. The love of God is who God is. So if anyone says, I'm a child of God, or anyone says, I have the DNA of God, the number one thing we will know about them is their love. Their love for the believers, their love for the things that God loves, and their love for one another. That is how we're going to know. God demonstrated his love for the world in many different ways. I just gave two examples in, this, in the sermon note. Number one, God expressed his love towards us by sending his only begotten to die for us. Jesus came and died. Jesus is God. I, I hope you know that. Jesus, God himself, he came and saw that we were struggling so much. And we couldn't do that thing by ourselves to overcome sin. God himself came and died for us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him should not die but have everlasting life. Watch this. 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. He said, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, he said, this is real love. What is he saying? Sacrificial love is real love. A love that cannot sacrifice anything is not love. Amen? Amen? He said, this is real love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Romans 8 verse 32. The Bible says, since he did not spare his son, he didn't spare his son, his only son, he didn't spare him, but gave him up for us all. Is there anything else that he will not give to us? Amen. God showed us that nothing was off limit by sending Jesus. So there's nothing that you and I want that God is not able to give us. Amen. Of course, as long as it's not contrary to his word. He proved his love to us by giving Jesus to let us know, look, there's nothing above Jesus. If I can give Jesus, I can give you everything else. I can give you anything else. That's what is proven to us. The second way he proved this to us is that he loved us in spite of us. This is the part that beats me the most about the love of God for us. He loved us in spite of us. He told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8. He said, the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. For you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. God just loved on them. 
just because. It's not because they qualify. They have not done anything special, better than anyone else. God just chose them. God has chosen us in spite of us. Amen? I've told you my stories many times, and I do like sharing those stories so that it doesn't seem like one is glorifying the devil. But I've done my bit of sinning and uh, evil in the world. So for me, that God will even consider me to be a child of God, talk less of being a pastor, is still an amazement to me. Amazing grace. How sweet that sound. Amazing grace. Watch this. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, if you have been here for any length of time, you know this is one of my favorite scriptures. He said, but God showed his great love for us by sending, his Christ, uh, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It means he didn't wait for us to clean up. We were still sinners when Jesus came. He loved us that much. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. He said, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much. He loved us so much, verse 5, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. God loves you. God loves you. One of the things that is unique about lovers is they always want to spend time together. You know, my broke self back then in Nigeria, the little money I had, they, they, they gave us, paid us some arrears. You know, it was when my wife, I think we just got married, or right before we got married. It was before we got married. They paid us some huge sum of money. I didn't buy a car. I didn't buy, the first thing I bought was, I bought computer. A PC, desktop PC. Nobody had it back then. You had to go to the library to buy, to use computer. I bought computer, you know why? So I can call my wife. You know, and then I had a subscription, dial-up subscription. Half the time she's hearing me, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I, I'm, she's hearing me, I'm not hearing her. And then at other times I'm hearing her, she's not hearing me. So the way we proceed is, well, if you can hear me, I can't. I can't hear you, but I'm going to keep talking because I know you can hear me somewhat. <laughs> Lovers want to spend time together. God wants to spend time with you and with me. So our text today, let's just read verses uh, 1 John chapter 2. We'll read from 15 to 16. Uh, 15 to 17 rather, and then we'll take it up from there. Watch this. He's talking about the love, about us loving one another. And now it's progressing and he's saying, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Verse 16. For the world offers only craving for physical uh, pleasure. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. A craving for everything we see. And the pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Verse 17. He said, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. 
What's the scripture saying to us? It's saying, don't put your whole hope and everything on this world. Say, do not love the world. You know, if you are following carefully, you should have a question at the back of your mind, especially if you think like I do. I just told you how much God loved the world. And now I'm telling you, do not love the world. The question then is, which is it? Should we love the world? Should we not love the world? What exactly are we supposed to do? The message translation of that verse 15 helps us to understand what the scripture is really saying. The message Bible says, read. I, I read. It said, don't love the ways of the world. Don't love the, 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 the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. What the text is referring to is the systems of this world. Don't love the systems of this world. Don't fall in love with the philosophies and the emotions and the feelings that this world builds up in people's hearts. He's saying, focus, focus on the love of God. Focus on Jesus, our Savior. Do not focus on the things that the world gives. Don't focus on that. Don't focus on world systems. Don't focus on worldly ideologies. Don't focus on worldly philosophies. But focus on Jesus. Focus on the Master. Focus on the Savior. How do you react to situations? Do you react the way the world expects you to react? Like a bandwagon effect. And everybody's hopping on the bandwagon and it feels exciting. It feels good that we're doing something special. Is this scripture? One of the things that I've seen is that we have become very emotional rather than spiritual. Back in the day, in the old, well, not that old. If I say it like that, it sounds like I'm a very old man. <laughs> you know, but back in the day, when I was new in the faith, the question people will ask you always is, have you prayed about it? Is this what the Lord is saying? Recently, uh, Dekin Abiola and I were having a conversation. He told me something. He said, Pastor, I think we should do this. And I said, well, this is the downside of that that I see. I said, you are a prayer man. Is that what the Lord is saying? He said, no. This is what I think is good to do. And then he went and prayed and came back and said, Pastor, even though it's a good thing, I prayed about it, but this is what the Lord says. Amen? We have become people that have been sensitized by ephemeral things. We don't like to take things in the place of prayer and seek the face of the Lord anymore. We only seek for what makes sense. And that is what he's telling us here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul said, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. I love the way the Amplified puts it. This is what the Amplified Bible says. He said, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, concerning salvation through Christ. I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom. No, no lofty wisdom, words of eloquence or of philosophy as a Greek orator might do. 
Say, I came with you with the word of God. I did not come to you to try to whip up sentiments and emotions, but I came to you with the word of the Lord. This is thus says the Lord. Amen. And Colossians chapter 2 verse 8, he said, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. I want us to be conscious of our decision-making process. I want us to think about the things we do and the decisions we make and make sure we are making decisions as inspired by the Holy Spirit. Very, very important. I like the pictures, but it's distracting. Thank you. Let's put our hands together for Fawaz. I, 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 love, I love these young guys. They do a great job. Perhaps you can stand in the back and then zoom in and then take the picture. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you very much, though. Praise the Lord. He said, don't let, don't let empty philosophies, empty arguments, high-sounding nonsense, don't let human thinking and reasoning Take over your mind. There are so many things that make sense but are not scriptural. A lot of them. A lot of them. I'll give you an example. <laughs> this might cause some of you to laugh, but maybe not. Back in the day, I mean, I was a believer. I was in a relationship, a Christian relationship. You know, and uh, this person was the one that I thought was the one that I was going to marry. You know, so uh, she told her mom about our relationship, and then her mom took her to her pastor, uh, not a Pentecostal pastor, let me just put it like that. So the pastor was giving her counsel and said, you know, uh, you have to make sure you check compatibility, check blood group, check blood type, check this, check that, and you have to do sexual compatibility too. You have to test each other and make sure you are sexually compatible. When she came back, I said, that's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> I praise the Lord. But it makes sense. It makes sense when you are thinking about compatibility. If we are checking blood type, why can't we check sexual compatibility? Before you buy anything, will you not test it? You go to the Lord, you have not test driven the car, and then you pay $50,000 for the car you have not test driven. Nobody does that. So let's test drive this. <laughs> let's see if the chassis are good. <laughs> it makes sense to the mind. But it's not the word of God. I praise the Lord. And I've also had stories of couples. You know, one of them suddenly runs into an old flame. Somebody they had dated many years ago. That they were in love with each other. Back in the day. And before you know it. An adulterous relationship has spun off of that. And before you know it, they are threatening to quit their marriages. And people will tell you, well, wherever love leads you, if you are in love with her or you are in love with him and you are no longer in love with this one, why be miserable? That's not what the scripture teaches us. Watch this. Malachi chapter 2, Malachi chapter 2 verses 15 and 16. Malachi 2, 15 and 16. He said, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? 
godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. And verse 16, it says, for I hate divorce. That's a strong word. God, the almighty God, is saying, I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. This is God, regardless of what modern day thinking and philosophy tells us. What is he saying? If, there's, if there are issues, go work it out. Go work it out. Go work it out. Go work it out. How many of us will say, because I was driving, I had an accident, I will never drive that car again? So somebody brushed you. You say, I was so scared. I will never, ever drive the car again. Nobody does that. You go, you fix the car. In fact, the insurance will pay you. You know, and then you add your, what's it called? Deductible. You add your deductible, they fix the car. It's like brand new. You are driving it again. Say, so, oh no, the car is so ugly now, I don't want to ever drive it again. Many of us have allowed the world to define things for us. There's a reason why we're doing all of it. I want to show you scripture. I want us to be people that are rooted and grounded in the word of God. I've told us that one of the most dangerous things that is a trend now is people just speak scripture without considering context and then they begin to say all kinds of things about it. That is why we are making up stuff that do not exist. Why? Because we, we don't know the context. We don't apply the context. We don't seek to understand the context of what is being talked about. When we have an understanding of context, we will have a better interpretation of scriptures. The world defines success in such a way that connotes competition. I'm in competition with you. You are in competition with me. And when we are in competition, what is happening? I want to win. I want to win at all costs. If it means me pulling you down so that I can get ahead, then that's what I'm going to do. But that is not God. That is not God. By the grace of God, I'm a scrum master. And what I have chosen to do is right now I'm actively mentoring like 10 other scrum masters across time zone. There's somebody that dials in from California, some other person from Dallas, some from San Antonio, that I'm actively mentoring. You know what? I want to teach them all that I know so they can be successful the way God has helped me. My success, your success does not intimidate me. Praise the Lord. Any one of all of those people, all of them, they get a job. Does it, are they going to get my job? They are not getting my job. <laughs> Praise the Lord. By the grace of God, I'm secured where I am. God is the one that put me there. Amen? So success does not have to be a competition. I'm not competing against you. Neither are you competing against me. We're brothers. We're sisters. We're brothers and sisters. Let's work together. Let's love on one another. Let's help each other be successful. I thought somebody would say amen to that. Worldly success is success at all costs, even if you have to compromise. 
We have to learn to pull each other up, people. We have to learn to help one another. I know AK and Ben put together a program a while back to teach people for free. Linux and Splunk. Is that correct? Linux and Splunk. They made themselves available, but you, you, you do understand that you can only take the horse to the river. You can't make the horse drink from the river. So they can only make opportunities available. They can't make us take it. Friends, the Bible says do not love the world and what the world offers. There are many things the world offers that is not godly. And you will understand when Jesus was here, the life that Jesus lived was a counterculture life. Right? Jesus was counterculture. Say, so you have had it said, but now I say. Amen? Say, so you have had it said, this is what they have told you, but this is what I say now. When you get home, read Matthew chapter 5. The whole of it. He said, you have had many things that have been said, but this is what I say to you now. Who are you going to believe? Jesus or the contemporary culture? Amen. Jesus is the one that came and died for us. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the answer. Number two. So number one is, we said, uh, do not love the world. Number two, I just said dealing with deceivers. Dealing with deceivers. Think about it. How many of us have been deceived before? I have been deceived. Yes. <laughs> How did you feel? Told me. If I, the way I'm looking at it is like you are remembering the deception and you are going, if I can just grab this person now and deal with them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many of us have been scammed before? They scammed you. You know, scamming. <laughs> How many of us have been scammed before? How did that feel? You just feel so stupid. How, how, how could I have believed such a lie? Last week, I thought I was almost scammed. I was panicking. I'm making phone calls quickly, frantically. Ah, no, 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 no. Then I figured, no, 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 I was not scammed. I was still on point. But I, I didn't do my due diligence. I should have, but I didn't. Uh, so listen to this. From verse 18, it begins to warn us. Verse 18, First uh, John chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Dear children, the last hour is here. Remember, this was written almost 2,000 years ago. It said the last hour is here. If it was here then, it's here for sure now. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. When he's talking about Antichrist uppercase A and Antichrist lowercase A, what is he talking about? The uppercase A, Antichrist there, is referring to the man of sin himself. That's the Antichrist, singular. But that has not been revealed yet. But he said, but before he comes, his agents have already started preparing the way for him. Can I tell you one of the ways Antichrist works? 
Antichrist, the little ones, they work by affecting our thinking. They work by causing us to adjust and feel okay and normal with sin. There were things back in my time when I was growing up as a believer that you couldn't say it publicly. You know, eh? In fact, even now, it's to the knowledge of pastor that brother and sister are shacking up together. In fact, I, I had somebody come to my office and uh, we were talking. The way they were talking, I said, the way you guys are sounding, it sounds like you are living together. He said, oh, yeah, 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 we, we, we are. <laughs> so, I, just for my clarity, you know, I, I'm still a bit naive. You know, so I said, are you enjoying the benefits of marriage as you are living together? Are you? You know what I'm saying. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. What's wrong with you? Are you stupid? <laughs> That's the look on their face as they were looking at you. What's wrong with this pastor? I said, but you can't do that. <laughs> you are children. Are you not children of God? You know, it felt so normal for them. They are looking at me. What's wrong with you? So I said, in this place, we don't do that. You know, if yeah, I said, no, 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 we are planning to get married uh, later on in the year. So uh, we're just, just to save money, you know, Pastor, just to save money. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But if you know you are ready to marry, go to the courthouse and get married and just make it official. They went and they did that. How can we recognize your husband and wife there? Do you understand what I'm saying? Things are so normal. In fact, there are people that you know, as you are listening to me, that are living together, and they are not married, and you don't feel any need to say anything to them. Because it's normal. It is not normal. That is end-time mentality that is setting in for us. We are not, we don't have a righteous indignation against sin anymore. Sin has been normalized. In fact, now what we have is, you know, big sin, small sin. There's nothing like that before God. Sin is sin as far as God is concerned. And uh, the soul that sinned, the scripture says, that soul shall die. I'm going to stop here. And we will pick it up from dealing with deceivers. How should we handle deceivers? How should we handle false teachers, false preachers? that give us false hope and false confidence. The truth is the word of God. Jesus died for this message. That is why John tells them in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he said, and this is the message that we have heard from Jesus. And we are preaching to you now. We are not preaching our own message. We are not preaching philosophies, things that make sense to us. He said, that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we are telling you the message that we have had from the very beginning from the mouth of the master himself. And that is how we ought to live, people of God. That is how we ought to live. Not by popular culture. You know, as a pastor, I struggle a lot. I struggle a lot. My struggle is always around, do I preach motivational message, you know, make everybody feel like I'm a million dollar you know I, I, I can do it 
But I have made a commitment and a covenant with God that I'm going to stay with the word and preach and teach the word. Whether it makes people jump up or make them sit down or make them quiet, however it makes them feel, I will do my very best to present the gospel, the gospel of truth. Amen? Friends, the message is this. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he proved it by giving his only begotten son. And the scriptures ask us a question. Romans 8.32. He said, if he can give us Jesus, what would he not give you? So all those things that we need, he already took care of it. Can you not understand, see this? He already took care of it. Whatever you are going through right now is temporary. There is no situation in life that lasts forever. Everything is subject to change. Everything. Can you believe that? Everything is subject to change. I've told you my story over and over and over and over again. The first house I bought, when I sold it, I lost $50,000. I sold it for less than I bought it. When we were going to have the twins, we bought a van, Honda Odyssey. It was repossessed from me. But those things cannot define who you are. And I was a pastor of this church. Nobody knew what I was going through. I was doing, I, just doing exactly what I'm doing now. Nothing changed. Just kept going. Just kept going. Whether I have or not does not define whether God is with me or God is not with me. So it's not, it's not prosperity that determines my righteousness. No, it's the way I live my life. Whether I live to obey or I live to please the flesh. That's all. That's all. The rest, they are extra and God will surely provide for his own. God will meet your need according to his riches through Christ Jesus. He's a guarantee. He's not man that he will lie. Neither the son of man that he will repent. All you need to worry about is being in alignment with him. Please rise to your feet. I want you to lift up both hands this morning. And let's take this song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you, Jesus. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To open the eyes, Lord.
make that the cry of your heart. That Lord Jesus, I want to see you. Lord Jesus, I want to know you. Will you make that your prayer this afternoon? Say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know all of you. I want to know all of you. Yes, there are de deceivers today. Lord, give me the discerning spirit, the spirit of discernment, that I will know when it is of you and when it is not of you. In the name of Jesus, that I may know, that I may understand how you are leading me, how you are guiding me. That I may know whether to go to the left or to the right. Lord, give me clarity in my life. Jehovah, give me clarity. You have done it before you can do it again. You told Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. Go to that mountain that I will show you. And you led him. You led him to his place of testimony. You led him to his place of honor. You led him to his place of provision. So much so he called you Jehovah Jireh. And we still call you by that name till today. That he opened the eyes of our heart, oh God. We want to see you. We want to know you, Jesus. We want to see you. We want to know you, Jesus. Not just to be blown with the wind of doctrine and be blowing with people up and down, towards to and fro, but Lord, that we may be stable, anchored to Jesus. Anchored to Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Master. Help us, Savior. The Lord, we will not fall by the wayside. But Lord, we will stand secure. The scripture says before you will, before the man of sin is revealed, there will be a falling away of many. Lord, that we will not fall away. We will not fall away. We will not fall away. In the name of Jesus. Establish us. Establish our feet. Ground us in the faith, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, blessed Redeemer. In Jesus' matchless name, I have prayed. Jehovah, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we give you praise. Lord, of a truth, your love is immeasurable. The depth, the width, and the breadth of it, immeasurable. And that love you have placed in our hearts that we may love others. Father, I pray that you will grant us the grace to give expression to your love. The Bible says when a brother or a sister is in need and you are able to meet that need and you say to them, go in peace, the Lord bless you, we are praying for you, he says you have not done right. Lord, that we may rise up, hold each other's hand up and help one another not to vaunt what you have given unto us but to be a blessing to those in need. That they help us. Help us that we may show that love for the world to see and be drawn unto you. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Jehovah. Lord, the scripture says, if you will give Jesus, what else can you not give? Lord, you know the needs in the lives of your people. 
Daddy, I pray that every need be met. In the name of Jesus. In so much that we have surrendered all unto you and we have covenanted to keep your word. Lord, help us. Meet every need, Jehovah, and let your name be glorified forever and ever. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, blessed Redeemer. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.